You may be seated. Would you take your Bibles or find on your smartphone or tablet or whatever you can find if you look up Exodus chapter 4, we're going to be in verses 17 to the end of the chapter. Exodus chapter 4, excuse me, verse 18 to the end of the chapter. Good to see you here today. We welcome you. We welcome those who are in our sanctuary today, those who are watching online, and uh, appreciate you coming and being a part of the worship time for Parkway Baptist Church today. We are glad that you're here. We Appreciate our praise band. You may have noticed featured right there in front, Jason Simpson, and we appreciate Jason. Jason, this is his last Sunday. He's here today. Wave at us, Jason. And uh, here it'd be okay. Give him a round of applause. It would be all right. Jason and his family came here. Of course, Jason's come to go to school, graduated a couple of years ago. Now he's now Dr. Simpson. He and uh, Morgan and Owen and Harper D are moving this week. Uh, to Mississippi, where he will uh, uh, begin uh, his career as uh, Dr. Jason Simpson, but uh, he served here as our interim in our worship for several months uh, before Aaron came and continued, of course, be part of the praise band, fill in, and all of those kind of things, so we appreciate, and do a lot of things. He, he greeted here today, so we appreciate him. We're going to pray for his and family uh, here in just a moment as well as we have our prayer time together. I'm not going to tell you who the oldest one uh, in the service today is, though I probably could. But I'm going to tell you who the youngest one is, and we have uh, uh, Joanne or Joanna? Joanna. I'm sorry, sorry for Joanna Jones, uh, born to Beth and Jeremy, and they're here today. He, uh, Joanna, she is one month and two days or three days or something like that. I forget what today is, but anyway. And so we're glad to have them uh, here today as well and how exciting it is and good to see all of you all. This is Memorial Day weekend and so it is a day in which we remember certainly those who gave their lives so that we might be able to enjoy the freedoms that we have in this country, particularly that is the freedom that we have to worship. How that looks different today. Worship has been a little bit different, hasn't it? I mean, you all have been worshiping, you've been worshiping at home, some of you have come in here, and even today, it's kind of an exciting feel that we have here, but it's a different feel than usual because we know that uh, we're still in the midst of this pandemic, we're going to continue to open our uh, church on Sundays, and my goodness, and, and everybody's staying socially distant, you could come in here, it'd be you can come, I guarantee it's safer than Home Depot or Walmart because you come in here, you wouldn't have to touch anything. You can stay six feet apart. If you get closer to somebody, it is by choice because we are uh, staying uh, socially distanced and you could uh, not touch anything but anything that you brought with you. And uh, so it's an exciting time. But as we think about Memorial Day, we're also, of course, reminded of the fact that uh, not only the freedoms we have in Christ, the freedom to worship, but that Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice as the one who was the Son of God, died in our place, and rose again. And we celebrate that every time that we come in. Uh, speaking of Memorial Day, just kind of get you ready because we always have one God and Country Sunday. And we're going to do that on the Sunday before July 4th. And so that's the last Sunday in June. And uh, as we do that, we're anticipating a God and Country Sunday. We're anticipating having a picnic. Now... You can get the picnic. We're going to spread out on the grounds. We've got lots of grounds. You can go out and you could go into another room with your family or whatever, or you can take it and go home. But we're anticipating that on that Sunday and uh, have some kind of picnic. But that'll be a God and Country Sunday. And, and so we'll be celebrating freedoms we have in our country. And Jesus, of course, will always be the center of every worship service that we have. I feel like I've talked enough for introduction, and I feel like we need to pray. So let's, let's pray, thanking the Lord for freedoms. 
praying for these things that we've talked about. Let's bow together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to come and be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. No matter where we are, no matter what restrictions we have, you have promised because of what Christ has done for us that we can always worship you in spirit and in truth. And we thank you for the opportunity to be able to do that. We thank you, Father, on this Memorial Day weekend. We remember those who gave their lives so that we might be able to have the freedoms. Help us never to take those for granted. And we know ultimately it is provided because of who you are and because of what Jesus Christ has done. So we thank you, Father, for allowing us to have the privilege of being able to live in this country, but we know with privilege comes responsibility. So we pray, Father, that we may take our responsibilities of citizens of this country very seriously, but also the citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And part of that is that we want to show God's love and share our faith with others and give us opportunities to be able to do just that. We thank you for all who've come today, Father, and all those who are worshiping from home, from the very youngest to the oldest. Uh, we do pray, Father, for uh, Jason Simpson and his family. We thank you for the impact they've had over these uh, last few years here at Parkway. We pray that you'll be with them as they uh, move. And, and uh, Father, we pray that you'll give them safety in their travel, keep them healthy, and watch over them, Father. And we know that they will continue to impact lives. And we pray your blessings and watch care today and in the days to come. And uh, Father, now we pray for this particular service. We thank you for the praise that's been lifted up today, and we thank you that we've been able to hear, listen, and sing along. Uh, for the prayers have been lifted, we know that you're in the midst of each one and that you're already at work. You've set the table for what you want to tell us today through your word. So Father, we pray that I may get out of the way, others may, so that, that each of us may be able to focus, remove any distractions that may be in this room or at homes, so that we might be able to focus on what you'd have to say to us. And now, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. We're in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 18. And uh, if you're able, would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word today? This now is the word of God. We'll read to the end of the chapter. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. Verse 21 reads, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, See that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Sephora took a flint, cut off her son's foreskin, touched Moses' feet with it, and said, Surely you're the bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that he said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Verse 21 says, The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses, did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. 
And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. And you may be seated today. It was in a focus on the family publication. It was a story of a little girl by the name of Amanda Rawlings who wanted to come and wanted to share a story of Jesus with her first grade class, but her teacher stopped her and said, Oh, we can't talk about Jesus. We can't talk. It's against the law to talk about God in public schools. And that same teacher had already stopped another student from bringing a book in that had mentioned Jesus because she thought it was against the law. The parents after hearing this instead of coming in and rushing in to tell the teacher what she should do gave her graciously gave her some pamphlets that told about how you might be able to share your religious expression and your faith in a way that's not illegal that same little girl a couple of years later uh, Amanda Rawlings now in third grade she was to write a report on a special person and she tells Jesus that she was going to write about. The teacher allowed her to be able to share her report about Jesus. In her report, she, she wrote this, and I wanted to share it with you. She said, I really love him, and he loves me even more. I cannot ever imagine living without him. I never go to bed alone. I never go to church alone. I'm never alone because Jesus is always there. These are words of encouragement, and I wanted to give them to you today from a third grader who shared them in a public classroom. Well, we've been looking now for the past few weeks at the call in the life of Moses, and hopefully we have discovered how God has a call on our life as well. Though Moses brings several objections to going along with God's plan, chapters 3 and 4 we've looked at, and the first part of chapter 4, and we know that Moses is on the mountain and there at the burning bush, and Moses gave several excuses of why he shouldn't be the one to go. But even though he gave those objections, here we find him ready to go. And he's going and being obedient. I think, though, if we pay a close attention to this chapter, what we're going to discover is Moses' faith begins to increase. And he puts his trust in God even more. He's not quite the powerful servant of God yet that we maybe imagine in our minds or not the Moses who's coming down the mountain with the chiseled Ten Commandments written by the finger of God coming down to see all the Israelites. He's not quite the one that we know of yet who's hidden in the cleft of the rock because he wants to see more of God or see God more fully. However, we see in this passage Moses being encouraged as he makes his first attempt to follow and be obedient. hope that many of you who are here and those of you who are listening from home today, you want to follow God. You at least have a desire to want to be able to know God more and to be able to follow Him more fully along the way. Well, if you have that desire, we're going to need some encouragement along the way. This is, as I count it, our 10th Sunday of the pandemic that we have been a part of after it may seem like a lot longer maybe to some of you but after even after 10 weeks and going through some of the same things of restrictions and who knows perhaps you know some people who have been sick or maybe even some who have uh, lost their lives maybe during this pandemic or maybe even because of it but what we know and we understand is that we still need encouragement we need some encouragement along the way, so we're going to find some in this passage. And so look with me again. I hope you've got your Bibles open. We're going to take a look, and what we're looking at, we want to discover five ways God wants to give you encouragement right now. Five ways God wants to give you encouragement right now. And the first one is this, through your family. Have any of you had a lot of family time recently? 
Any of you had too much family time? You don't have to raise your hand on that, but you know, there's, we've had a lot of family time. Well, after God's call at the burning bush, notice what Moses went to do. He went to Jethro, his father-in-law, who he worked for and he lived with him for the last 40 years, and for that long, Jethro's family had become his family. Now, he comes here and he seems to ask permission, but he's probably not so much asking permission to go after God told him as much as he's given respect. From the very man who gave him encouragement after he had left uh, Egypt and had he had come to the land of Median, he'd given it, he'd worked, lived, he'd worked with him, lived with him for the last 40 years, and given his daughter in marriage. So Jethro's been an encouragement to him. And he's going to be an encouragement again, we're going to find out after they leave Egypt. He's going to give some encouragement and advice on how to govern the Israelites. But here Jethro says the very simple term, he says, go in peace. One translation says, I hope that all goes well with you. Hebrew word shalom, you've heard before and you've probably talked about it, which means safety and health and welfare and prosperity. In some regards, in some interpretations it is, or definitions it is, to be made whole. Through Jethro, Moses is given a dose of encouragement. It's meant by our Lord's plans in your families. You receive encouragement along the way to do God's will. Your family should be a primary source of encouragement. Your family should be cheering you on, should be your biggest fans. So parents, if you're not encouraging your children to pray, to read the Bible, to be in church, or to be a part of worship like we are today and find God's purpose, at least let this message serve as a passage for you to do so and make some changes in your home life if needed. Young people, that works both ways. In fact, if you want to be an encouragement to your parents, the best way that you do that is through your obedience to your parents, particularly if you're living in your home. Well, if you are grown children, you have parents who are still alive, you want to bring them encouragement by showing them honor. You want to do and bring encouragement by showing a good attitude when it comes to the family, and that's true probably for all, certainly for brothers and sisters and spouses, etc. Having said that, we know God's plan is for the family to be a primary source of encouragement. However, we know many people, even Christians and perhaps some listening today, who find instead of encouragement, discouragement from your family situation. Many of you wish that you could be encouraged by your family, but the truth is you're not. And maybe you and your family have gone through some tough times, or maybe your situation is disheartening. Here was Moses, 40 years removed from his family. He was a fugitive from the family that he grew up with in the palace. He's, he's estranged from the family that was his blood kin Israelite family. You know, there are some who I know who really have no family to speak of to encourage them. Well, God still wants to provide encouragement. Anybody here uh, admit to listening to country music time to time? Okay, hey. Get, I, well, there's an old country song that came out, sad, kind of a sad country song. It may have been 10, 15 years ago probably now. It used to be on the radio. Hadn't heard it in a long time. But it's, it's, a, it, uh, it's about a little girl who lives with her mom and dad, and the mom and dad drink a lot and do drugs and fight a lot, and she's always hiding behind her couch. And it's a song, you know, country song, kind of a ballad, but it's a song that they sing until one violent night, after one violent night finally come, authorities take her away, and they put her in another home. And in that home... There is a family there that loves on her and hugs on her and kisses her and something she's never experienced before. And the family takes her to church. And she comes to church and 
According to the song, she sees Jesus on a cross. And she says, I know that man. She says, I don't know his name, but he's not on the cross anymore because when I hid behind the couch in my old house, he held me in his arms. Now, I'm not sure I could prove to you all the good theology about that song, but this thing is true. When your home life is not ideal, then your church family should lift you up. If you're in a tough family situation, God cares and he wants the church family to be a source of encouragement to you. It is true that even if you have a good Christian family, we want to cheer you on, we want to be here for you, desire what is best for you, truly hope that all things go well. We cannot all be together quite yet. Oh, but we, can, we hope that we can more and more for encouragement. And let me tell you how thankful I am that uh, you are able to worship from home, how thankful I am over these past few weeks, what would we have done? Thankful for the quality that it continues to be that you can worship from home and be able to watch and we can worship together but apart. Let me tell you, that's not the new normal. That's not the way it's supposed to be. How thankful we are for it for however long it lasts and however long we need to worship at home as long as the Lord leads you to do that. But we're meant to worship together. We're meant to come and we're meant to be together. And we're going to work more and more toward that. And hopefully that will be allowed more and more and more people feel comfortable. We can do that in a healthy way, certainly. I hope that you can say today your family or your church family or both are a great source of encouragement. Notice what Moses told Jethro. I'm going to return to see if any of my brethren are still alive. Now, he was just told in chapter 3 that they were still alive. And he's going there to help to be the deliverer. Moses had taken a step of faith by going, but he may still needed to grow in faith. Do you remember the one who came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief? Can you relate to that ever? Boy, I do believe. Oh, but I know I know so much more I need to grow. As a matter of fact, if you really have put your faith in Jesus and are seeking to step out on faith, you probably know how much your faith does need to grow. God provided a second dose of encouragement by speaking to Moses again and said, all those who wanted to take your life are dead. Well, apparently that was very helpful for Moses. Why would God say it if Moses was not worried about it? But 40 years had passed and those who wanted to take his life, Moses letting him know. He said, those, those folks aren't there anymore. And the Bible says Moses took his wife and his sons, placed them on a donkey, took the staff of God, God spoke to him again. And God said this, do all the signs that I show you, but Pharaoh will not let the people go. But the nation Israel is my firstborn son. Notice how he says this. If he will not let my people go, I will kill his firstborn. And that's exactly what happened. This is a preview of the tenth plague. And not only was it Pharaoh's firstborn that died, but all of Egypt. The idea of firstborn was important in the Bible because we cannot help but be reminded of the one who was the firstborn, the only begotten son of God who died in our place. You may not be the firstborn in your biological family, but you need to understand that in God's family that all of us are part of the firstborn as God's chosen people. Thus, the second way that God wants to give you encouragement right now are His promises. We ought today and every day find encouragement from the promises of God. If God settles it, if God said it, that settles it. God has given us his promises. Has God made a promise to you? Well, if you're a child of God, he has. He's made a promise. He's made many promises to you. In fact, let's just kind of take a few examples. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. What did he promise? 
He promised he's never, I'll be with you always. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. How about Psalm 23 and verse 4? Maybe significant, maybe particular for the story today because you know what Moses had with him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What does Moses have in his hand? It says two or three times in these verses. He's holding a staff, God's staff. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 tells us that he's made, he has promised to complete the salvation that he has begun in us. How about John 14 and verse 3 and many, many other passages where he's promised a home in heaven. If I go, I'll come again, bring you to myself, to where I am there you may be also. We could name promise after promise. You could name promise after promise. We could spend the rest of our time. You could do it. But we've got to be in God's Word in order to know God's promises. I want you to notice this. Take your Bibles if you would. You've got your, maybe if you still got that open, or, or I'll tell you as it goes. But I want you, we read uh, in verses 17 and following of chapter 4. Look at verse 19. Just notice the encouragement that had to be for Moses as just the first part of that verse. And the Lord said to Moses, God speaking to Moses. Now look at verse 21 if you would. What does it say? And the Lord said to Moses. Skip over a couple of chapters if you can or if it's an easy whatever. Look at chapter 6 and verse 1. What does it say there? But the Lord said to Moses. Next verse, verse 2, first part. It says, but God spoke to Moses. Then look at verse 10, if you would, same chapter. Sorry if I'm going too fast, but I'm just reading a couple of words. Verse 10, what does it say? So the Lord said to Moses, would you look at verse 13? But the Lord said to Moses, would you look at verse 29? Verse 29 of chapter 6, it says, uh, on that day when the Lord spoke to Moses. Would you look at chapter 7 and verse 1? What does it say? It says, and the Lord said to Moses, look at chapter 8 and verse 1, tell me what it says. It says, and the Lord said, then the Lord said to Moses, look at chapter 9 and verse 1, notice, then the Lord said to Moses, notice chapter 10 and verse 1, am I going too fast for you? But you know what it says, then the Lord said to Moses, chapter 11 and verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, chapter 12 and verse 1, then the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, chapter 13 and verse 1, it says the Lord said to Moses, notice chapter 14 and verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, are you beginning to see a pattern here? God is speaking to Moses, and just as many times God, Moses spoke back to God. Don't you think it'd be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if God spoke to us in the same way? Watch it. I think God speaks to us even more so. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. He's the ultimate communication because He is God who came in the flesh in order to speak to us. So what do we have today? We have all the words that God said to Moses, plus we have all of God's written word, plus we have the living word that should be an encouragement for us today. Do you need a little encouragement? It's found in God's promises, which are found in God's words and in Jesus. It is true that we must be in the word daily and know and read and be reminded of God's promises but God's promises are a word of encouragement for you right now. God, as His name implies, always the same and can be relied upon. God says many times in the story of Exodus, God will harden Pharaoh's heart. He says it many times in several chapters, and so we're probably going to look a little further at that maybe down the road somewhere. But for today and in this passage, that should bring much encouragement because it will suffice to say that His power 
sovereignty and the knowledge of God trumps any kind of discouragement that we may be facing today. Which leads to the third source of encouragement for us. We've talked about your family and the church family. We've talked about His promises, the promises of God. My obedience and faithfulness should bring encouragement. Your own obedience and faithfulness to God brings encouragement. The Bible says when you're walking in fellowship with Jesus, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding regardless of the circumstances. Now, don't misunderstand. The peace of God is determined by who He is, the Prince of Peace, not by who we are or our perfection. However, you'll find encouragement through walking with Jesus and striving to be in the center of God's will. When we're walking with Christ and seeking to be faithful and obedient, we have a great peace and encouragement. God wants to do something good and wonderful which will bring glory to His name and be a benefit to others. Faithfulness and obedience does not always mean, though, that the journey is going to be easy. Sometimes following God, doing the right thing, is going to be the tougher road ahead, but it's well worth the journey. But the peace that we can have, the encouragement we can have, not in an easy road, the encouragement that we can have is found when we're seeking to be faithful and seeking to be obedient. In chapter 4, there's a very curious passage. Did, did you catch it on the way as, we, as Moses makes his way to Egypt? Or you've read this before. What does it say in, in verse 24? It said, In a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Is this true? Here is Moses, God's deliverer, and now God's ready to take his life, so it seems. I've got to tell you, throughout the centuries, we'll probably not solve everything about that particular curious passage today because throughout the centuries there have been many, many different kind of interpretations or explanations of the reason this is included. Perhaps God caused Moses to become ill, some have said. Some kind of sickness that would end in death. Matthew Henry says an angel met him with a sword. We certainly do not believe that all illness is caused by sin. But Moses, who was God's messenger, had failed to do that very first thing that Abraham was asked to do to signify about those who were part of the Israelites, part of the chosen ones, and that was to circumcise his son. And God stopped him. Before Moses could do God's work, he had to get this matter settled. Zipporah, whom we actually mentioned on Mother's Day, if you might remember, but Zipporah actually comes to the rescue. She does the circumcision and saves a life because of it. Well, we've got lots of questions about this little passage and those couple of verses there. I mean, my goodness, why didn't Moses do the circumcision? Why didn't he do it earlier? Why did he do it at the time? We probably could give you maybe some reasons, but all of it probably is speculation that we could come at. I mean, Zipporah, she was a Midianite. She was not an Israelite, and yet she comes and she is the one who is the heroine of the story. So we don't know why Moses was disobedient in this. We can't only speculate. But why are you and me disobedient at times? Well, we make you come up with lots of reasons, but we really could only speculate. There's also an, uh, another explanation that I've just heard of, really just in getting preparing for this passage. In verse 24, it doesn't mention Moses' name. It mentions that God was about to kill him. 
the hymn, the, this explanation would be that the hymn was not Moses, but it was Moses' son. And I guess in the context it makes sense because God had just told Moses to go and tell the Pharaoh, tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn. And said, if you do not let my people go, I'm going to kill your firstborn. And then right after this, this takes place. So maybe that could make some sense, perhaps. Uh, perhaps this was God's way of saying, you cannot give this message to Pharaoh about sons without first taking care of your own. Either way, this is a curious passage and a curious event, but it's included for a reason. After all, the reason we're looking at Moses' life, and I believe maybe even coming at this time, and taking a look at Moses' life, maybe even during this pandemic or during this journey in your lives, is because we want to discover from this story what's holding us back, from escaping what might be holding us back so that we might be able to follow God's will. And here Moses had not been all obedient. Can you see how you're called to be a part of God's work? But until you take care of any disobedience, you're able to only go so far. I mean, chances are God might not kill you on the spot, but you'll have difficulty following God's purpose until you repent or put into an obedient right relationship with Him. Is there something that you need to turn over to God or to confess? Now, I say that God may not kill you on the spot because we know that judgment's not coming our way because of who Christ is. We know that God does discipline. And we could see this as a part of discipline, perhaps, in Moses' life. He had to take care of this before they were able to be able to move forward. But our sins and today, what you think? Because we're talking about encouragement right now. So right now, I want you to think, well, is there a sin in my life? Is there a play, something I've not turned over to him? Is there something going on that I need to give over to him so that I might be encouraged today? Because you can do that. Even this hour, this very time, you can turn that over to him. Now, our sins and our disobedience may be varied. What I want you to consider, it could have something to do maybe with the first and the second commandment. Now, when I say the first and second commandment, I'm not necessarily talking about the Ten Commandments. The first commandment says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's not necessarily the commandment I'm talking about, for when Jesus was asked, What's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. It may be that you love something. You love someone. Or there's something that is holding you back because you're not putting it first today. And you need to love God first. Or that you refuse to love your neighbor or show love. Jesus said all the commandments can be found in these two. You know, you're less likely to find encouragement or to know God's will until you're ready to be found faithful and obedient. You're less likely to find encouragement or to know God's will until you're ready to be found faithful and obedient. But when you, when you are, when you've come to that place, you've turned everything over, oh, what an encouragement it is. What do you know that God wants you to do today? God wants to bring encouragement to your life. You have opportunity to repent, step into that love relationship. Or... Are you discouraged today and you're calling on God for encouragement? Well, God calls on you and me to follow Him in obedience. So, we're talking about five ways you might be encouraged right now from this passage. And the fourth one is this. Faithful brothers and sisters. The Lord wants to give you faithful brothers and sisters. Just to remind you of what we read a moment ago. Verses 27 and 28. 
back in Exodus 4. We went all the way to Exodus 14 a moment ago. Exodus chapter 4, verses 27 and 28 says this, Then the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs he had commanded him to do. Aaron met Moses at the mountain of God. We're assuming Horeb, or as we know as Mount Sinai. And they came and they did not practice social distancing. They came and they hugged one another and they kissed. And my goodness, Moses had come from another country and they weren't quarantined for 14 days or anything. And they came and they hugged and they kissed. Moses told Aaron all the things that God had told him to do. Showed him all the signs. God gives us special people along the way so that we might be encouraged. You may already think of someone or maybe lots of people who have brought you encouragement along the way. And it may be that you, wanna, you need to thank them very soon. Thank you for being encouragement to me. It may be you're not thinking of someone right now and that you need to pray and ask the Lord to bring somebody in your life who might bring you. Because I believe, I know, from what God's Word tells God wants to bring now, Aaron certainly could be called a family member. He was a family member. But God wants to bring maybe somebody even beyond your family that, to be a particular encouragement to you. You know, there's a flip side to that as well. Because God has someone whom he sends to be your encourager. In fact, Proverbs says there's a faithful, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But here's the flip side. God wants to use you an encourager for someone else. And there's opportunities all around. Make yourself available to God. Are, are, you, are you really serious about wanting to follow God? And do you need some encouragement? I cannot think of a better way than to seek to be an encouragement for others if you want to be encouraged. Moses, I believe, was encouraged. But think of Aaron. Aaron, three years older than Moses, so 83 years he had been in the land of Egypt as a slave. He had seen every humanity known to man or at least known to the Israelites while they were in Egypt saw all the things that were taking place and now he comes and he seeks to be he's an encourager to Moses but don't you think that Aaron was also encouraged as well and he was a help to Moses he was there from beginning to end sometimes he was a hindrance sometimes Aaron even let him down but for the most part God was at work in bringing encouragement even through Aaron you and I, we need people in our life for whom you can share what God is doing in and around you. And then there's a fifth. Fifth way, you can have encouragement right now. And it's because of ultimate success or ultimate victory in this life and in the life to come. Reminds you of the verses, the last few verses we read, 29 through 31, says this, Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel, Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and they had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Do you know what Moses was most worried about and fearful of? Do you remember on the mount? He wasn't worried about Pharaoh. What was he most fearful of? Those Israelites, they're not going to believe me. But when he comes to the Israelites, all of his fears subside in the first four verses of verse 31 to where it says, And the people believed. Now, I believe here 400 years that the Egyptians, the Israelites had been in, in Egypt. 
I believe what we're reading here, it's the elders of Israel that are with Moses. I believe it's their conversion experience that's taking place. What an encouragement that was. Not only did they believe, but not only did they believe what Moses said, but now they were believing in God. Because who did they worship? They didn't worship Moses. But the Bible says that they bowed their heads, they placed their faith in God, and worshiped. Don't you think that was some encouragement? Some success had taken place because he had followed God. Little did he know the battles he'd face ahead with Pharaoh, them being in the wilderness for 40 years. But for phase one, he had the victory, and God gave him success. I got to tell you, though, the truth is, we might not win every battle we face. We may not see everybody that we tell that God has spoken to us and that we have the good news. Not everyone that we tell is going to become a believer in the Lord Jesus. But he gives us enough success to keep us encouraged and moving forward as we grow in him. Now, I'm not talking about success on the ball field or in business, but spiritual victories and answered prayers. And then we know what? Ultimately, the victory is already won in Christ. What will happen when Jesus returns? It's a culmination of the victory that's already been won on the cross of Christ and in an empty tomb because we already know that you are the winners if you have placed your trust in the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who died on the, on the cross for our sins, who rose again, the one who is alive today and who is living inside each one of us because you've placed your faith in him. Success is already achieved when God's people put themselves in God's hands. Now, I want to tell you, if you're listening today or maybe you happen to be here today and if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've not already placed this life and the life to come in the hands of God, you have opportunity right now to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is the greatest encouragement that you could ever have to know that you have the Spirit of Jesus living in you and to know that you have a home in heaven. So we encourage you to call upon Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Ask Christ to come in. The Bible says, and it's part of the promise that we have that we know that, we can, that He will save you. What great encouragement. I was with a group of uh, young people and students some time back, and we were doing a little ministry and mission trip, and we were going to a homeless shelter. We were going to go work in the yard, and this homeless shelter for women and children. We were going to work in the yard and... Uh, work in the food pantry and do some other odd jobs that they needed there in that day. But before we left that day, there was one of the ladies who had lived in the home came and gave her testimony. I remember her, that her name was Dory. Dory was 27 years old, but she had already lived several lifetimes of discouragement and difficulties. Raised by a single mom who basically kept her enslaved in her room. She stayed in her room. She played in her room. She ate in her room. The only time she got out of that room was... Uh, when she snuck out. And uh, she was abused in many ways, beaten by her drug-addicted mother. And one day, finally, they came in and they took her away and she was placed in other foster homes, kind of like the song that we talked about from the country music, except in none of those homes did they ever tell her about Jesus. And some were good and some were not. She says, given her testimony, she said she learned destructive behavior. Lived life for what she could get for it. She became addicted to drugs herself. She was promiscuous and stole anything than everything that she could. 
She was in and out of jail until she received a four-year sentence in jail. She said that while she was in jail through a prison ministry, somebody finally told her about Jesus. And after a time of rehabilitation, she wanted a different life for herself and for her daughter. Somebody told her about this Christian shelter to where the guidelines are tough, but the Christian love is for real. Four days earlier from Dory telling us her story, she had left that shelter and she and her daughter had moved into a home to where, and she had found a job to where she could support herself, seeking to live for the Lord. It was the first time that Dory had ever told her story. Dory looked at those young people and she said this, I've never told anyone some of the things I've told you, even when I was in rehab and was supposed to tell everything I did not tell. But I tell you today so that you'll not walk down the same pathway. You may think that you're children of privilege, she told our students, and this cannot happen to you, but it can. And maybe you can help someone else is the reason I tell you. And she also said, I want you to know that God is for real. And he, and he made all the difference in my life. Finding encouragement apart from Christ is hard and lonely. Finding encouragement with Christ is all around right now. In the Christian family, it's in the promises of God's holy word. It's been being obedient and and fellowship, having fellowship with God that's in a trusted brother or sister, and in the victories that we have in this life and the life to come. Are you, are you looking for a little encouragement today? Do you need some encouragement? Look no further, because Christ has provided all the encouragement that is needed.